supposed to imagine, sir. A point struck me which often does strike me when chewing the fat with this honest fellow, viz. that he seemed to know a hell of a lot about it. I mentioned this, and he explained that it was one of those odd chances that had enabled him to get the inside story. My Uncle Charlie holds the post of butler at the hall, sir. It is from him that I derive my information. I didn't know you had an Uncle Charlie. Charlie Jeeves? No, sir. Charlie Silversmith. I lit a rather pleased cigarette. Things were beginning to clarify. Well, this is a bit of a goose. You'll be able to give me all the salient facts, if salient's the word I want. Uh, what sort of joint is this Deverell Hall? Nice place? Gravel soil? Spreading views? Yes, sir. Good catering? Yes, sir. And touching on the personnel, would there be a Mrs. Haddock? No, sir. The young gentleman is unmarried. He resides at the hall with his five aunts. Five? Yes, sir. The Misses Charlotte, Emmeline, Harriet, and Myrtle Deverell, and Dame Daphne Winkworth, relict of the late P.B. Winkworth, the historian. Dame Daphne's daughter, Miss Gertrude Winkworth, is, I understand, also in residence. On the queue, five aunts, I had given at the knees a trifle, for the thought of being confronted with such a solid gaggle of aunts, even if those of another, was an unnerving one. Reminding myself that in this life it is not aunts that matter, but the courage which one brings to them, I pulled myself together. I see, I said. No stint of female society. No, sir. I may find Gussie's company a relief. Oh, very possibly, sir. Such as it is. Yes, sir. I wonder, by the way, if you recall this Augustus, on whose activities I have had occasion to touch once or twice before now. Throw the mind back. Goofy to the gills, face like a fish, horn-rimmed spectacles, drank orange juice, collected newts, engaged to England's premier pill, a girl called Madeline Bassett. Ah, you've got him. Fine. Tell me, Jeeves, I said, how does Gussie come to be mixed up with these bacteria? Surely a bit of an inscrutable mystery that he, too, should be headed for Deverell Hall. Uh, no, sir. The matter is susceptible of a ready explanation. Dame Daphne Winkworth is Miss Bassett's godmother. Uh, Miss Bassett wishes to exhibit Mr. Finknottle to the lady whom he has not yet met. Did you get that from Uncle Charlie? Uh, no, sir. It was Mr. Finknottle himself who informed me. You've seen him, then? Uh, yes, sir. He called while you were out. How did he seem? Low-spirited, sir. Like me, he shrinks from the prospect of visiting this ghastly shack. Yes, sir. He had supposed that Miss Bassett would be accompanying him, but she has altered her arrangements at the last moment and gone to reside at the Larches, Wimbledon Common, with an old school friend who has recently suffered a disappointment in love. It was Miss Bassett's view that she needed cheering up. I was at a loss to comprehend how the society of Madeline Bassett could cheer anyone up. She being from top-knot to shoe-sole, the woman whom God forgot. But I didn't say so. I merely threw out the opinion that this must have made Gussie froth a bit. Yes, sir. He expressed annoyance at the change of plan. Indeed, I gathered from his remarks, for he was kind enough to confide in me, that there has resulted a certain coolness between himself and Miss Bassett. Gosh, I said, and I'll tell you why I goshed. If you remember Gussie Finknottle, you will probably also remember the chain of circumstances which led up, 
if chains do lead up, to this frightful Bassett getting the impression firmly fixed in her woollen head that Bertram Worcester was pining away for love of her. I won't go into details now, but it was her conviction that if ever she felt like severing relations with Gussie, she had only to send out a hurry call for me, and I would come racing round, all ready to buy the licence and start ordering the wedding cake.' So, knowing my view regarding this Bassett M, you will readily understand why this stuff about coolnesses drew a startled gosh from me. The thought of my peril had never left me, and I wasn't going to be really easy in my mind till these two were actually centre-eyeling. Only when the clergyman had definitely pronounced sentence would Bertram start to breathe freely again. Ah, well, I said, hoping for the best. Just a lover's tiff, no doubt. Always happening, these lovers' tiffs. Probably by this time a complete reconciliation has been effected, and the laughing love god is sweating away at the old stand once more with knobs on. Ha! I proceeded as the front doorbell tootled. Someone waits without.